Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the mini break. Your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, September 20th. On today's show, I want to offer updates from all around the tennis world. It's a weird schedule this week. For those of us viewing from the United States, you have tour-level action late at night in Guadalajara, early morning action in Asia with the events in Guangzhou, Chengdu, and Zhuhai. Now, the good news is there is still some tennis to enjoy throughout the day. You've got that Parma 125K, certainly the Columbus Challenger, something we're interested in here at Cracked Rackets. Makes for Interesting viewing hours, I suppose, for tennis fans everywhere. That said, again, what I want to do on today's show is break down the last 24 hours of results. What were the most significant outcomes we saw on Tuesday? What are the things you need to know as we move into the rest of this week? Of course, something you need to know is that we've got tennis for you this weekend on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, the Malibu Showdown, kicking off our coverage of the 2023-24 College Tennis season. And we have the Pepperdine men, Michigan men, Kentucky and Louisville men all competing. Each team going to play one another in a dual match format. That coverage begins Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. We'll have a match at 5 p.m. Eastern time on Friday as well. Saturday, same times, 1 and 5. I believe our Sunday action is a little bit earlier than that. But as I alluded to yesterday, right now there are 15 men in the top 100 of the ATP singles rankings with college tennis ties 36 men in the top 100 of the ATP doubles rankings on the women's side you've got five top 100 singles players I believe you have 17 top 100 doubles players including six inside the top 25 Aaron Rutliff winning the recent U.S. Open mixed and women's doubles titles she of course was a two-time NCAA doubles champion at Alabama here's the point you want to know who those next stars might be coming from the college tennis ranks. You got to tune into our coverage. We'll have so much of it throughout the course of this college tennis season. We are ready to rock and roll. It starts this weekend, Friday through Sunday, with our coverage of the Malibu Showdown. Again, first match going to be Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. We'll have coverage first ball to last, so be sure to join us on our Crack Records YouTube channel. Go like, go rate, go subscribe, do all of the things. By the way, I alluded to this yesterday as well, a fun conversation I wanted to point all of you listeners to on our Great Shot podcast feed. Our dear friend Gil Gross joined me to play a game of stock up, stock down, stock hold, looking at the current rankings. Who are the players overranked, underranked, sitting in precarious positions as we head towards the end of the year and the start of the 2024 season for 
Gills podcast. We break down the ATP side of things tomorrow. David Kane will join me for the WTA equivalent conversation. Again, those podcasts housed on our Great Shot podcast feed. So go check that out. Like, rate, subscribe, review. You can find it on our website, crackrackets.com, or wherever you listen to your podcast. That said, of course, a shout out as always to our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. Promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. But let's get into the tennis. Let's talk about the last 24 hours in the tennis world. Let's start with Guadalajara. Again, that's the 1,000-level event. And if you listened to yesterday's podcast, Setting the Scene for the Week, you know one of the biggest storylines was the WTA Tour Finals implications possible given uh are presented in the draw excuse me in Guadalajara and certainly most pressingly that race for the number 8 spot Madison Keys was in striking range of Anjabur and given their recent form how close Madison Keys was to making the final of the US Open given the fact that Anjabur yes she made the second week but struck uh of the US Open but struggled last week in San Diego and just you know, hasn't had the best form throughout the course of this season. Felt like he's had a serious shot to catch Jabur with a big run in these conditions in Guadalajara. Instead, it will be the continued success of Emma Navarro that becomes the biggest storyline out of the last 24 hours. Navarro upsetting Keys two and six. One of the biggest victories of her career as she advances to the round of 16 at a 1,000-level event for the first time now. It's been a year of first for the 2021 NCAA singles champ, Emma Navarro. By the way, there's another unintentional college tennis tie. Emma Navarro, a standout player during her two years at the University of Virginia, the 22-year-old now up to a new career high of number 43 in the live rankings. Of course, she entered this week at a new career high of number 49, coming off of her semifinal in San Diego last week. You look for Emma Navarro now. She's 2-0 against top 20 players. Both of those wins come in the last two weeks. She beat Sakari last week, 7-6 in the third this week, a 2-6 and six win over Madison Keys. I've said this about her game repeatedly. We've talked about her extensively throughout the course of our summer editions of The Deciding Point as she has just continued to put up massive result after massive result. She's just up to speed. The rhythm of the game, the flow of any opponent, it doesn't offset. Uh, it doesn't disrupt, excuse me, what Emma Navarro looks to accomplish. There's just a smoothness to everything she does on court, her ability to absorb, redirect, and then generate pace on that forehand wing. I think technically it's flawless. The backswing condensed, her ability to extend out into the ball, her ability down the line, her ability to get outside of it, to generate angle cross court. I think she un- or I think she tapped into something, excuse me, last week on her backhand wing. It just felt like she was hitting it more aggressively down the home stretch against Sakari and enforcing a third set against Kennan. We saw that on display. You know, you look for Emma Navarro, who, by the way, has now played 84 matches in her last 52 weeks. She's 52-21 and 21 overall in the year, 71% win percentage. And I always like to remind listeners of this fact. She started her year 
at the 25K level on the ITF circuit, the second lowest level we have of pro circuit events. You have the 15Ks, then the 25Ks, 40Ks, 60Ks, etc., all the way up to the WTA Tour level. She played back-to-back 25K and 60K events first two weeks of January in Florida. She now finds herself inside the top 50 of the WTA rankings. And look, Ben Shelton, deservedly so, has stolen a lot of headlines. How could he not? Quarterfinals Australia, the remarkable semifinal run, beating Tommy, beating Francis, having so much fun with Djokovic in that semi. But what Stearns and Navarro have done... You know, again, week in, week out, you look for Emma Navarro, who had to come through qualifying last week in San Diego. She qualified in Cincinnati earlier this season. You know, uh, I can go on and on of where she's had to play qualifying throughout the course of this year. She's not going to have to play qualifying in 2024. And you look at what she's done, particularly over the summer since becoming a top 75 player, having the opportunity to get into some bigger events. You know, starts out quarterfinals in Strasbourg in May. She wins a match at Roland Garros. Finals 100K event. Semifinals a tour level event. Finals a 125K event. Another quarterfinal in Palermo. A semifinal in San Diego. Now in a round of 16 here at a 1,000 level event. She didn't play the Australian Open last year. She didn't get into the main draw of Miami this year. She won one match at Indian Wells this year. There is a long three-month, four-month runway for Emma Navarro to defend some serious, or not just for her to, excuse me, she doesn't have to defend points. She can go out and gain them because you win one match at a tour-level event and then who cares about your title at that 25K in Naples to start January? And just, you know, there are real top 35, top 30 runway. There's a real top 30, excuse me, runway now for Emma Navarro to start next season. And look, she's gotten so much quicker. She's gotten stronger. The serve has been a struggle for her. She's 42nd amongst the top 50 in hold percentage in tour level matches this season, but she has been a top 15 returner in those tour level matches this season. And by the way, you want to filter out all of her ITF level success, 52 and 21 overall. She's 21 and 14 in tour level events this season. That's still a 60% win percentage. Emma's awesome. She just has that ability to, I don't want to say take away the thing that her opponent wants to do best, but at least an ability to withstand that and still do what she wants to do out there on court. Again, the serve's not quite where it needs to be, but at 22 years old, she's got plenty of time to work on that. The rest of the game just comes so easily to her. She's a comfortable volleyer, always looking to you know, beat you to the spot, take that front foot advantage positioning-wise. Keys wasn't at her best. You could tell she just wasn't acclimated to the conditions. The ball was spraying off of her racket, but that's what Emma Navarro does. She always asks the right question, signature victory for Navarro in what has been a breakout season for the 22-year-old American. And again, a very tough loss for Madison Keys. Probably ends her shot at the tour finals because Jabir did win her first round match over Alicia Parks 2-2. Two and two. And you know now you look for on Jabir in that points race. She's got about a 600-point lead on Keys. And yes, there's Ostrava left. Yes, there are a few events still on the calendar. But going to be really hard for Keys to catch Jabir now. 
feels like that spot is pretty locked in. I, I mean, I guess barring like an Ostapenko run to the Guadalajara title or a Sakari run, I suppose, to the Guadalajara title, and she's still got a shot at it. Outside of that, again, things start to get tough. It does look like we've got our eight locked in. Sabalenka, Sviantek, Goff, Rabakina already clinching. Pagula's going to get in. Von Drusova, Muhova sitting comfortably on Shabur. Now about a 600-point lead in that eighth spot. Shabur, a first-round winner, 2-2. Two and two. Outside of Keys, there wasn't really many upsets in Guadalajara through round number two. And our round of 16 is now set. You look at the seeds knocked out. Trevisan beat Paolini. Italian on Italian crime. But I don't see that as a big upset. You guys know I've been buying all the stock of Layla Fernandez of late, and we'll talk about her in stock up, stock down, stock hold. I think she's one of the most obvious stock ups we have right now on the WTA Tour. She's made three finals in her career in Mexico, has won two titles in Monterey, one at 2021-2022. These conditions are perfect for her because she just has that extra bit of pace on her ball and her feel, her hands, her ability to move the ball around the court, change directions, work a broad skill set. That's never been in doubt. It's that additional pop that sometimes she's lacking just because she's not the biggest player out there on tour. That's not an issue in these conditions. Three and four, Lisa Mertens just couldn't hurt her. Fernandez advancing a very good win for Layla, who's closing back in on the top 50. Fernandez currently sitting at 67. One more victory, though, will get her all the way back up to number 57. And again, very much in strike zone of the top 50 to end the season. Your other seed knocked out. We talked about yesterday. Carolina Pliskova knocked out by Haley Baptiste, 7-6 in the third. That was certainly a head-scratching result for Pliskova on the day. That said, other winners, welcome to the top 100 of the live rankings. Caroline Dallahide follows up her 7-6 third set victory over Peyton Stearns with a 6-1 in the third victory over fellow American Sasha Victory. Dallahide has real weapons. Love her willingness to move forward. The backswing is a little bit big, so you can get that ball in her body. She will leave it short. Not the best on defense, but very good hands. Welcome to the top 100, 25 years old. Again, gets into that Australian Open main draw. You start life with a big payday. You win a match there. Now you're breaking into the top 90 with the North American and Mexican hard courts uh, over the next two months. There's a little bit of a runway for Dalhide to make a big move. Not a big move, but a move up the rankings and consolidate a top 100 spot. Other winners, Alexandrova, 6-6. Six and six. Sonia Kennan keeps on rolling. She's had to play two matches coming right off of that San Diego final. Wins them both. This next one, 2-6 and six. over Kalinina. I, I suppose that was your other upset. I didn't consider that an upset, though, in my notes. Sakari down 4-2 in the second set. She comes back 2-4 and four over Storm Sanders. I just I love her movement in these conditions. Uh, Ostapenko, a good 2-3 and three win over Kostyuk. Ball is flying off her racket. Kudermatova, Azarenka winners. You also had Taylor Townsend, who her forehand, how spinny it is, how much action is on that ball. Her kick serve as well. Her game is lethal. Here in Guadalajara, she gets a straight set victory. She is back into the top 100 of the live rankings as well in reaching this round of 16 in Guadalajara. Good to have her back, which is just 
there's not enough Taylor Townsends in the world. Lefties, serving volleyers, drop shots, the creativity. It's an absolute delight. Uh, Taylor Townsend into the round of 16. Good one for Emiliana Arango. Biggest run of her career, 1-2 and two over Sloan. I suppose that was your biggest upset, Georgie. Your final winner in Guadalajara. You look at the matchups, round of 16. What are my top three? Certainly the only all-seed matchup, Kudermatova versus Azarenka. Two players who just haven't had, haven't been able to string together four matches in a row, let alone two, three-week runs in a row this year, even if there have been flashes of top 25 plays, certainly. It's a big moment for one of them to try and make a quarterfinal here to end the year and solid things up heading into next season. Man, that wouldn't be top three, though. My top three, Baptiste Garcia, just for the firepower, Ostapenko Kennan, because I think both of those players are... I think Sonia Kennan is playing top 25 ball again. She's moving well. She's striking everything so confidently. There have been moments when Ostapenko has played top five tennis in the world this season, and she is someone David Kane and I will discuss on tomorrow's GSP, so I'll leave my additional thoughts for that. But talk about a fun contrast of styles. And then how about Navarro and Fernandez? Massive opportunity for Emma Navarro to reach a first quarterfinal at the 1000 level make a top 40 push for herself I mean come on now versus Alayla Fernandez who's chasing the top 50 again Navarro 22 what Fernandez is 21 I think they're two players who are going to be in our lives for the majority of the next half decade plus and I'm looking forward to that battle Navarro Fernandez again Navarro Fernandez Fernandez 54.7 percent favorite according to tennis abstract Ostapenko, 69.9% favorite over Kennan. Garcia, obviously, an 86.3% favorite over Baptiste. I just like the contrast in styles. In that one, right now, Jabur, 22.1% favorite to win the title. Then Ostapenko, 16.6. Sakari, 14.4. And remember, Maria Sakari does not have a single seed in her section prior to the semifinal round of play. So a massive opportunity for Sakari to get some momentum going heading into the home stretch of the year. That's where things stand in Guadalajara. I imagine that'll be our lead for the majority of the week. It's a 1,000 level event. Biggest opportunities for all of these players to make a big move. That said, again, two other tour level events happening on the women's side. You've got the action in Guangzhou. My finals picks have both been knocked out. I said yesterday I love the way Clara Tossin played in her opening round match over Linda Fruvertova. Wins the first set 6-3 over Yulia Putenseva. Drops the second 7-6. Unfortunately, forced to retire from the match from there. It's another tournament. I saw Tossin play exceptional tennis in Cleveland. She was forced to retire with injury there. She plays exceptional tennis here. Forced to retire, unfortunately, in the second round. She just can't get healthy. That said, I still, given how young she is, I think she's an obvious stock buy. I think it's when she puts together a full year of health, there's no doubt she will be a top 50 player. At the end of that season, the weapons are just undeniably excellent. But look, a lot of seeds holding form so far in Guangzhou. You have uh, five of the top eight seeds still alive. Top seed Magda Lynette, straight set winner over Daria Seville. Rebecca Masarova, 7-6 in the third over the tricky Victoria Golubic. Tatiana Maria continuing her winning way. She's closing in 
on a new career high. Maria right now currently sitting at sitting. I don't know why I had to say it like that. Currently sitting at 52 in the live rankings. Uh, another victory here this week. She'll be back up to number 51. Her career high is 46, 36 years old. I believe she is the oldest player right now. Yes, she is in the top 52 of the rankings and continuing to ascend upwards. I got to see her in Cleveland, the physicality she brings to every match she plays, the relentlessness, how frustrating her slices can be. It's a fascinating contrast. Her versus Yulia Putenseva has three and a half hours written all over it. That's a fun quarterfinal battle. Good win for Friedman in 6-4 in the third over Harriet Dart. She'll take on fourth seed Lucidia Bronzetti. And then Wang Shiyu, the talented lefty from China. 4-5 and five over Diana Schneider. She'll take on lucky loser Victoria Kuzmova through to the quarterfinals with a three-set win over Yuan Yua. Tennis Abstract says it's anyone's game. Lynette, 20.5. Minin, 16.6. Putensva, 15.4. Masarova, 14.3. And at this point, I'm probably taking Tatiana Maria over all of them. So that's where things stand in Guangzhou. I'll do more watching of that event moving forward so I can offer you all a more thorough update. So far, Shmidlova, Yuvan, Kawa, Maniero advancing to the quarterfinals in Parma. You still have Andriva Tomova coming up. Christian versus Vetter coming up. Your other winners, Anna Bogdan, Anna Bondar advancing. So what? Four of the top eight seeds advancing with two more still to play to get to the quarterfinals in Parma. We'll lock in on that clay court action perhaps a bit more later in the week as well. Very limited ATP results to talk about thus far. I believe we only have three main draw matches apiece in our two tour level events. We'll start in Chengdu. You look at your winners on day number one, Quarantine Mute. He needed a win. Lefty gets it straight sets over Mutau, the wild card. You look for Quarantine Mute again. Uh, the, I suppose, lack of success he has had at times this year, just dealing with so many different injuries. He's 13-7 and seven overall. That's his first main draw win at a tour-level event since Newport back in July. He's made uh, just one quarterfinal at the tour level this season, currently sitting at 122 in the rankings. Mute with the win back up to number 118. Who's he going to take on in the next round? Winner of Benjamin Locke and Miamir Kasmenovic. You did have a couple of notable results. I suppose Taro Daniel from a set down, 4-6-6-4-6-2. He knocks out eighth-seeded Alex Vukic. It was good tennis. I mean, again, Vukic fights his way through that first set. I believe he was down an early break in set number one, ultimately able to scrap his way through. It's a good win for Taro Daniel, who's also sitting on that top 100 Australian Open bubble, 95 in the world, entering the week. You look for Daniel, the now 30-year-old, currently 29-24 and 24 overall on the year. He's looking to make what would be, I believe, his first quarterfinal at the tour level since Acapulco back in February here this week. A uh, good win for him to get the ball rolling, knocking out the eighth-seeded Vukic. Certainly opens up his draw now as he'll face the winner of O'Connell and the qualifier Kachmazov. Your last winner... Not surprising given their recent form. Roman Safulin is a top 50 player on hard courts. Just how easy it is for him to generate pace, how smooth he is off both wings, how well he accelerates into both his backhand and forehand, but that forehand in particular now a little bit more snip, uh, a little bit more edge than I remember. He knocks off Brandon Nakashima 4-4. Four and four. Why is that significant? Brandon Nakashima is going to fall out of the top 100 next week, and we talked about him yesterday, so I don't have to 
reiterate those struggles here today, but was defending final uh, San Diego title points this week and now sees those points come off of his resume replaced with a first-round loss. will be interesting to see. Does he go play Charlottesville, Knoxville, Champaign, those run of American challengers that are part of the Australian Open wildcard challenge because by his ranking right now, he's not going to get into the main draw of the Australian Open. It's an interesting scheduling choice ahead for Nakashima. Again, a very good win for Roman Sefulin. You look for Sefulin sitting at 55 in the world coming into the week. He now with this victory, 31-20 and 20 overall on this season, uh, looking to make what would be his, I believe, first quarterfinal of the year on hard courts. Uh, first quarterfinal, I believe, at the tour level overall this season. This week has a very tricky matchup with Dan. Oh, nope. Excuse me. He made the Wimbledon quarterfinals. That's a pretty good quarterfinal to make. Good memory, Alex. He's taking on Dan Evans. That's going to be a fun battle. Again, we still haven't seen a lot of the top seeds or first round battles yet. Most of those will come tonight slash tomorrow. So we'll start with the ATP results tomorrow, given we'll just have a lot more of them to discuss here on this show. That said, quickly to go through the three results we saw in Zhuhai. I really liked what I saw from Dalibor Sfrisina and uh, Sfrisina. I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. And for those that don't know about the 20-year-old from the Czech Republic, very handsy game. Loves to play that backhand slice. Fine mixing in the forehand slice as well. That forehand, it's an extreme Western grip. It's a little loopy. But boy, does he move well. The top spin lobs, the passes. I mean, he just frustrated the hell out of Lija, the wild card from China. Big win for Sfritsina, 4-3 and three victory overall. He's trying to keep his next-gen race hopes alive under the assumption that Alcaraz and Runa aren't playing. He's currently sitting in 12th. He's about 100 points back of Arthur Cazo with a month to play, a bunch of challengers, other things on the board. He's in the mix. Good win for Lloyd Harris, former top 50 guy, obviously. We've seen make a second week of a major, uh, 4-2 win over Yuri Vesely. Yoshihito Nishioka drops a horrible first set, 6-love. Escapes love, 6-6-4-6-2 over Terrence at Maine. I mean, again, oh, I forgot to mention on the Guadalajara side, this is just a quick tangent, but leave it in. Caroline Garcia fought off a match point, ultimately came back against Alexandra Sasnovich. That was a match we were monitoring on yesterday's show. So shout out to my memory when things click in. Anyway, shout out to her. Shout out to Srivasina, uh, Nishioka, Lloyd Harris, all winners round one in Zhuhai again. Still got a lot of matches to come. McDonald versus Jerry Shang. Kovacevic versus Kopenhans was a match just built for me. And then probably Muller Hijikata, my three favorite first round matches on the schedule tomorrow, will again lead with that ATP action as it gets going. Quick Columbus Challenger thoughts to wrap today's show. Oh, he's my guy. I believe in Ethan Quinn, his serve, his forehand. You just see he has one of those shoulders, one of those arms, can generate pace at an elite level. The harder you hit the forehand at him, the harder it comes back. Still gets a little bit rushed when he's on indoor hard courts. Was down a set and a break for the majority of the match. Breaks back, had set points in his five, uh, 6-5 return game. Unable to break, ultimately knocked out by the qualifier. Federico Gomez, 5-6. and six. Still believe in the UEQ, but obviously that one hurt to watch. Shout out to the Svida man, Zachary Svida, going from the carry challenger title outdoors to a first round win indoors. He's on top 100 watch. Sandgren, a winner. Ryan Penniston, a winner. Uh, you had a big win for Adam Walton over Giovanni Pericard. 
Tristan School Kate continues to play really good ball. He gets a straight send win over Abdullah Shelby. And then a little teammate on teammate crime, JJ Tracy, three and five over his teammate Justin Boulay. Those were my most notable day one results, but a lot of fun ones on day two. Bosferetti versus Pospisil was already underway. I think Pospisil took the first. Bosferetti, though, was up a break in the second. Trotter, Gomez, two college guys. Kingsley, Richard, Alexi Galarna, really. Loved how he played at Davis Cup. Would not surprise me at all to see him have a strong ending to his season. Columbus, Charlottesville, Knoxville, Champaign. If he sneaks out one of those titles, keep your eyes on the Columbus Challenger. A lot of fun players in play. Again, plenty of guys with college ties. Waltons, Penniston, Sandgren, Bosferetti, Richard, Kingsley, Dugas, Trotter, Gomez, Galarno currently alive. It, and that's just the singles, by the way. A lot of fun doubles action in the mix as well. That's your update from all around the tennis world. Again, we will be back tomorrow to keep you apprised on everything that develops throughout the course of the week. If you're looking for additional coverage, Great Shot Podcast feed is the place for you. Gil Gross, David Kane joining me for games of stock up, stock down, stock hold as we look at the players who are overranked, underranked, or sitting pretty right now in the ATP and WTA Top 100 singles rankings. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in day out making all of our content possible a shout out as well to our dear friends at tennis point tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world with that said for our fantastic super producer daniel westoff our friends at tennis point from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin you know what we say that's the break we'll talk to you all tomorrow thanks everyone <laughs>